0: All right, welcome into another Auburn Live football show. I am Justin Hokinson, joined as always by my buddy Cole Payson. What's up, Cole?
1: How you doing, man? I got my uh, my Brian Harson shirt on here.
0: You wear that a lot. It's like your favorite shirt. I like it.
1: Love it. I love it, man. It's a great workout shirt. It's good, you know, just chilling out shirt. It's an awesome shirt. I appreciate Brian Harson.
0: <laughs> I appreciate Brian Harson. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, all right, real quick before we get going, shout out to Session Cocktail, sponsor of the Auburn Live Football Show. Uh, go check them out. Downtown Auburn, Magnolia Avenue, next to Taco Mama. Uh, great place to go get some drinks. actually had happy hour drinks, um, last night with a, with a, with a friend. It was a good, good little spot to go between four and six happy hour. Um, they got booth seating and bar seating and some couches and pretty much just kind of lounge seating and that kind of stuff. So it's real, real cool spot. There's not stand up. Seating like at a normal college bar, they make great drinks. So go say hey to them, Hunter and, and Avery and Joe and, um, and all those awesome people at Session Cocktail in downtown Auburn. Cole is back. Um, all right, Cole, let's jump into real quick kind of what you saw on Tuesday. Um, as Hugh Freeze opened up a small, small portion of practice, but, um, that was new. First of all, that never happens, especially during the season. We'll see if that continues. I doubt it but uh, he opened up a very small portion of practice similar to how we did in fall camp. Was there anything different about that viewing window than what we had during fall camp?
1: Yeah, I think it was different. Um, Number one, I'd say the main difference was that it was, it was, uh, you know, offense going against defense at every, every different position because they had scout team in every different individual drill. So, I wanted to figure out who was on the scout team. That was something I was trying to do, but they all have different numbers, so it's impossible unless you, like, got to look at everybody's face. And I didn't, um, so I I can't really give you the names that were on scout team. But basically, from what I could tell, it was freshmen, it was walk-ons, obviously, and probably a couple of other guys that maybe you wouldn't expect to be on scout team, but they were. So, obviously, your main guys were not on scout team, and they were doing their drills, but it was a little bit more full speed than what we've been seeing with drills. It's, you know, it's, it's like real reps against the other guy of, of the opposing. Like, for instance, receivers are going against DBs. Offensive liners are going against actual defensive linemen. So that's where you change it up with this part of the season and getting into the game week. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it looked like people were, were – um, I just thought the, the reps were better. It was less like a drill and more like full speed.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. Looked like uh, everybody was out there trying to go at least. Hugh Freeze mentioned on Monday, J.D. Rim, Nehemiah Pritchett, Nick Marner, Jalen McLeod, and Robbie Ashford. Those were the five guys he named that were questionable, let's say. Um, He said all had a chance to go, but some could not go. He wasn't completely sure, but it sounds like everybody out there was at least trying to go.
1: Yeah, there weren't any non-contact jerseys. So that leads – I mean, maybe they wouldn't do that if there's green jerseys, but I, I feel like they would have had one on if they weren't able to go. Now, Nehemiah Pritchett, I, I think he wasn't participating in one drill that they had, but it wasn't anything crazy, nothing that stood out to me like, oh, you know, he's really hurt. He, he, was, he was there. He just wasn't, you know, like full go, I guess. Uh, yeah. So maybe maybe he would be the closest to having on a non-contact jersey. Um.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Practice getting underway. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's move on to Hugh Freeze a little bit. We spoke to Hugh Freeze on the SEC teleconference. Um, kind of some interesting questions and some interesting answers. Um, he didn't really dive into injuries a little bit. just said, we hope everyone's come to is, is ready to play. The interesting question was, um, he was asked again about Jarquez Hunter's status. We haven't spoken about Jarquez Hunter since the beginning of fall camp when we went out there and JarQuest wasn't there, and we asked, you know, a question was asked to freeze, what about JarQuest Hunter? And he said, I don't talk about policies and investigations and procedures and blah, 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 blah. We haven't spoken about, we haven't asked about Hunter cents and, and all that. Um, you know, we said on our board, I've been told for months now that there's a possibility he would miss time. Nothing, I never got anything confirmed, just, but I heard, but from, from some good sources that, that was on the table, um, an, in-game, an in-season suspension. Uh, we get the depth chart. He's listed at the top of the depth chart. But even, even if he's going to face a suspension, it, it wouldn't be shocking to put him still as running back one. Um, so Freeze was asked specifically what Jarvis Hunter's status for the opener, and Freeze again said, um, I don't discuss who's playing and who's not. I'm not going to discuss who's playing and who's not. Um, so, again, he dodged the question. So if there was a suspension either attached to Jarquez Hunter's past, like Jarquez Hunter was kept away from the football building during the summer. We know that. Um, Now, the investigation was going on. So what's unclear is, was that a suspension or was that simply due diligence of, while this is happening, you can't be around? Um, Those, to me, are two different things. And then as far as his status for UMass, it was, he didn't say and say it would have been really easy to be like, yeah, Jarquez is running back one. He's going to play. And, and I think that speaks to potentially a missing time because Hunter has not been mentioned as a guy that's injured. And so when you don't answer whether he's going to play and he's not been injured, he's not the guy, you didn't mention him on Monday as a guy being injured. And then you say, I don't talk about who's going to play and who's not going to play around a guy that's listed as your running back one. I, I think it's still very possible. We'll see who trots out there. But I've always been told there's a possibility of him missing a game or more. That answer leads me to believe that's still on the table.
1: Yeah, probably is. Um I, I would yeah, you're right. it's it he could have easily put that to bed, but you know. Or maybe he's just uh he maybe it's possible he thinks because his answer was, you know, I don't I don't speak on university policies. If there's still a policy in effect up until the game, maybe he doesn't want to make any kind of statement that could go any kind of way, if that makes sense. But it also could be, he may not play.
0: Yeah, I think it was uh he didn't mention he – did, he did not mention policies this time. He just said, I don't talk about who's playing and who's not. But he did talk about injuries. I mean, Monday he did talk about guys that were questionable. <laughs> um, I guess he's he, what he's saying is, I'm not going to get up here and tell you somebody's for sure not playing. I'll, I'll give you a little injury update, but I'm not going to come up here and say yeah. who specifically is not playing. playing. So we'll, we'll all find out. It, it shouldn't matter against UMass. It won't It won't really matter. It matters more for Jarquez and his season and reps and snaps and all that. It shouldn't matter as far as Auburn's ability to win the football game. Damari Austin should be uh, more than capable, though in Brian Batty. They should be able to get the job done. But um, I think the question becomes – I think the question with Hunter becomes, if he doesn't play against UMass, are we looking at a one-game thing or a multiple-game thing? I think if he doesn't play against UMass, the question goes to, will he play against Cal? That's the bigger deal. They don't need him against UMass, but if he doesn't play against UMass, now that brings to the table, well, does he play at Cal? And does he play, you know, how how long does this go on? Um, I, I I, I've been told one game. I've been told potentially three games. I don't think it's anything that goes into SEC play, if it even happens. But I think the most immediate question is, if he doesn't play against UMass, is he going to be available at Cal, a road game, against a Power 5 opponent? You'd like to have Jarquez Hunter for that.
1: Yeah, if, you, if you're if you missing him for UMass, not a big deal. You're missing him for California, you go. you start to get a little uneasy about that and I don't think, I'm with you, I don't think it would ever go into the A&M game, um, especially because, I mean, there's no, you know, there's no pinned down allegation that we know of with, with the whole situation, so it's really hard to say, you know, this is why he's, he's. it's really not clear, and I think that's probably why Freeze doesn't want to even go there, because the whole allegation and what actually is being charged or whatever by the university is not clear whatsoever, so um, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all if he's not in this first game. If he's not in the second game, then you start to worry a little bit and go, well, well bottom line, if he's not playing against California, you, you're probably a little uneasy as a coaching staff and fans, being that that game is, I will say again, could has has the potential to be a little hairy. So, um, yeah. you know what I mean? That, that's when you start getting uneasy about the situation.
0: Yeah. So we'll see what happens with Jarcos Hunter. We'll see who comes out there. Um and uh, you know, we'll see who comes out there and starts. If he doesn't get out there the first drive or two, that probably answers your question. If he's not starting the game, he's probably not playing. We'll 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 certainly find out. Um Breeze talked a little bit about the quarterbacks on the on the teleconference.
1: With the lucky slots you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Um, he mentioned the words right decision on Peyton, which I'd have to go back and look in the past. He's talked about what he likes about Peyton. I feel like this might be the first time since he made the decision that he's come out and said, I think I made the right decision. You know, he's talked about Peyton does all these things well, but specifically coming out and being like, not just that I made the decision, I think I made the right one. Um, I just I, I thought that was interesting wording. But he goes back to Peyton's understanding and his leadership, which are all things that we've talked about and what allowed him to win the job. One of the things that he also noted, Cole, that I wanted to get your opinion on was, and we haven't talked about it much. It's been mentioned, um, I think, in past stories I've written, but but it, I don't even know if fans are aware. And that's the NCAA rule change on the clock. So after first downs, the clock's going to run until the final two minutes of the, of each half. But before that, in the past, first down, clock stops. That's not happening anymore. If the first down's clock running, um, and so the question was asking, like, how do you think that's going to impact um, you and, and an offense that wants tempo and wants a high number of plays? He kind of blew it off and said, everything I look at says you know, maybe six to eight plays, you maybe lose. You're talking about seconds,
1: really? that
0: clock stopping after a first down, if you're going tempo. If you're not going tempo, then the clock running doesn't doesn't mean all that much. But what was your take on – he said he kind of was like, well, look, we'll just have to see how it goes. I, I kind of, I'm kind of with you. I don't think it's a massive deal. I mean, it's it's going to take a handful of plays away, yes, but it shouldn't be enough to. You shouldn't be losing 15 plays a game. You lose six plays a game. That's that's you know that's not the end of the world. 15 plays that'd be a different deal. But what do you make of of the clock running after first downs? Do you think that matters to to Auburn?
1: I don't think it matters for the UMass game so much, but. I actually think it might be backwards from, you know, (laughs) I think the the up-tempo hurry-up can actually help you control the clock a little bit and and maybe slow the game down, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but you can slow the clock down by going up-tempo, if that makes sense. Because if you take your time, that clock's going to continue to run, especially when you get a first down, all right, you're taking your time. You're going to take 30 seconds to call your play. Well, that's not the case. If you're on up tempo, you're going to be on the ball and getting ready to snap it as if, you know, it would have been last year when they reset the change and start the clock back. You're really not losing many seconds there. Maybe five, six, seven, something like that. So I don't think it, I, I think uh, it's, it's probably more beneficial depending on how you want to control the clock. If you want to extend the game and have more plays to have that up tempo, um, you're going to have a lot less plays if you're a slow tempo offense. You probably went from ha- averaging, oh, I don't know, 65 plays a game to now 50 or 55. I don't think it changes yeah. much for an up-tempo offense.
0: Yeah, he said, um, he said, I'm not the most brilliant guy in the world, but if you're going to go fast after a first down, you're not going to lose that many seconds in that. I'm hey. curious to see if it has an advantage. He goes, I don't see it changing your philosophy, whether you're a tempo team or not, which is which is true. It's not a significant thing where anybody's going to make philosophical changes. Because you don't feel comfortable. I don't anyway. Going fast just for the sake of going fast, which is something Auburn fans need to remember when they're watching: is there will be times where they go slow on purpose. Gus Malzahn did the same thing. If you feel like you got a defense on the heels, you're going. If you get a big play, you're going. But but a lot of other times it won't be tempo. If it's if it's first and ten, you throw an incompletion, you're not running tempo on second down. if it's second and eight, you throw an incompletion. You're not running tempo on third and eight. You're 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 making sure that that play is you're getting that play lined up, um, you know, correctly. So I think it'll be about I think I think big plays on first down, first downs on first down, and then big plays in general. I think those are the times where you'll see tempo or just feeling like you know those are the things you're coming off a big play and then potentially the defense feeling tired. Those are going to be the times where you feel tempo happening. Um, you're not going to see tempo off of a Three yard loss on a run, maybe, but but I, I doubt it. You know those negative plays, you're not going to see tempo. Incompletions, you're not going to see tempo as much.
1: Well, tempo really shouldn't be an all the time thing anyway. You have to be able to control, you know, as as an offensive play caller and as a quarterback and, and anyone who controls an offense has to be able to control the tempo. I yeah. think that's the biggest thing, controlling the tempo. And that doesn't mean they're going to be up tempo all the time, like you said, but. I'm glad to know that Hugh Freeze and I went to the same school of math and learned it the same way. Because it felt backwards when I was saying it, but I, hopefully it made sense. Yeah, yeah. He said every analytic he looks
0: at, maybe six to eight plays, um, which you know, eight's a considerable yeah. amount. I mean, eight plays. I mean, every game you can pick out a handful of plays. Eight plays is is a is you know, there's some potential game breaker plays in there.
1: Um, but it some, affects some offensive colors. Right. Shudder at the thought of that. I, I think Gus Malzahn was one that really liked to have a lot of plays in the game.
0: Yeah, I would. I would too. When you were Gus Malzahn and you called plays like just at, at random, I mean, yeah, he he needed as many plays as possible. I mean, what's funny you say that is you go look at that 2010 offense, as good as it was. I saw a stat today about points per drive for the last 15 or 13 national champions, whatever, maybe 15 years. That 2010 team was lower than pretty much every other year. Um, Like, as good as that offense was, there were times where they bogged down. Malzahn was one of those guys that needed a lot of plays. He needed a lot of plays because there's a lot of stuff that wasn't going to work. There's a lot of negative plays that were going to happen, but it would set up other stuff, or it was just a tempo thing, and it was you need an aggregate. Malzahn and, 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 and Freeze, to some degree, are about the aggregate number of plays versus... I'm going to call 55 plays and they're going to be awesome and they're just going to to be like precision. It's not always going to be that. It's going to be like, I'm going to try to run 75 and hopefully the tempo of it. And at times we're going to hit you with big plays and there's going to be some negative stuff too, but it's more about the quantity and the tempo affecting things than being perfect on just 55 specific plays. Um, Hey, before we get out of here, um, Breeze also mentioned, obviously he talks to Gus Malzahn a lot. He's super tight with the, Gus Malzahn. That was kind of interesting. He said he's spoken with both Tommy Tuberville and Gene Chiswick since taking the Auburn job, just you know, picking their brain about the job, about the place, about the dynamics and that kind of stuff. I, th- I thought that was interesting. Gus and him, he said they talk unlimited times. They, they, he, he, you know, they're they're buddies. But I thought it was interesting that he's spoken with Tuberville, even Gene Chizik. Um, Obviously not Brian Harson. That'd be terrible. That'd be a terrible idea. Um, but uh, but yeah, just reaching out to to former Auburn coaches, and um, it's interesting. That's the Auburn job, man. I mean, good, bad, whatever. You coach at Auburn, different deal. And so, whatever you think of Tuberville, Chiswick, it's a different, it's a different deal. And so, I, I thought that was interesting that he reached out to those guys and got opinions from not just Malzahn but Tuberville and uh, and Chizik as well.
1: Yeah, but Tuberville has an. Interesting perspective now, uh, being that he is a politician. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he made a statement the other day that the uh, NCAA is still one of the hardest organizations he's ever had to work with. So that's funny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can learn a lot. I mean, he just posted on Twitter before we started this, you know, like, I can't wait to experience it myself. He's probably, actually, it, it reminds me of, I just watched the, um, the Swamp Kings documentary, on Netflix, yeah. I don't know if y'all thought that yet it was really good, yeah um urban Meyer good. It lacks a lot of lacks a lot
0: of details, but it's good in general. it's kind of fun to watch I mean,
1: oh, it was fun, I mean, they could have made it ten episodes, and I would have kept watching it, but you know, urban Meyer talking about Steve Spurrier and taking over the reins and Steve Spurrier, yeah. when they talked, he was like, you know now go win a championship, that kind of thing, so yeah. that's always good talking to the older coaches it shows a uh you know I don't know. It just shows some awareness uh, of the program, and that's good. That's important. Yeah. Um, all right, little little, little short and show for today.
0: I think we're gonna we're gonna call it a wrap. We'll be back with the modcast uh, with with Cole and Jeffrey. The whole team will be together with the modcast later in the week. The recruiting shows. Make sure you check that out. Go go subscribe to the YouTube sh- channel, the Auburn Live YouTube channel. Go subscribe and turn notifications on for that. Make sure you're not missing any of these podcasts. And of course, you can listen to everything Apple. And Spotify. Uh, again, appreciate our sponsor session cocktail in downtown Auburn next to Taco Mama on Magnolia Avenue. Go check them out. Go get a little happy hour drink from four to six. Great people, great drinks, great environment. Um, love that place. Go check them out. All right, Cole, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll, we'll do a little podcast we'll get that up for the people later in the week. Make sure to check out Cole's stuff. We got obviously plenty of Auburn football news and everything from freeze and players and quotes and all that good stuff. Uh Cole will also have some scouting reports and some things to look forward to in terms of what to expect from UMass, um, hitting the website later in the week, too. So make sure and check that out so you go into the game with a little understanding of what the opponent will bring to the table and maybe how Auburn should attack those things as well. So go subscribe to AuburnLive.com. Half off an annual subscription right now. I don't know how long they'll do that. But you can get a dollar for a month, or you can just go ahead and pay the entire year and get 50% off of what it normally would be. Like It's like 45 bucks right now which is crazy so go take advantage of that uh if you can as well all right appreciate everybody for joining us this is the auburn live football show we'll be back soon see ya
1: with the lucky Land Slots. you can get lucky just about anywhere